Because you can imagine the questions, you can imagine the uncertainty that is created, but he felt the conviction. He felt you know, the wrath of God that was on Israel because they had so neglected this reality of God that had now been presented. And here they are with this instruction saying, I want to go somewhere. I need to go to someone who can tell me about the truth of God. I need to go to someone. When I ask these questions about this book, someone will be able to, to give me an answer. So this is no small stage upon which she's performing. This is a moment in time that is life-changing, not only for her, for this small group that's around her, but this is life-changing for a nation. I want to tell you, nations are changed because of prophets. Nations are changed because we recognize that someone is hearing directly from God and can not only speak the truth into, into a single life, but can, as a prophet can speak truth across a nation. And we're absent that gift today. We have politicians who can speak, we have evangelists and preachers who can talk, but I want to tell you there's very few people who are saying, thus saith the Lord, and speaking a reality over a nation, except to blame it, condemn it, or say that we're going to ruin it. I just don't happen to believe that that's what's going to happen to America. I don't hear people coming on, on TV except they're looking at the situation and drawing conclusions and saying, this is where we're headed, this is where the nation's going. I don't believe that. I believe God is going to begin to the church anywhere, anytime, anyplace, America or around the world, when he finds hearts that are ready, he will receive truth and he'll begin to, as I said this morning, he'll begin to demonstrate once again by the ball authority and draw such a contrast between light and dark, between life and death, between good and evil. I believe that he is that God and this is his time. And I believe with all my heart that he's calling, looking, searching for those people, those churches who will say yes and be willing to receive what he has for them. But here's a group of men who are going out searching. Now if I were to ask you somewhat stereotypically, who would they go find if the king said, I want to know what God's talking about? What would you typically expect, especially in the Old Testament? If I go through these, I say Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zeph, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nathan, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zachariah, Malachi. How many women's names did you hear in this? So stereotypically, what would you have expected when the instruction came, I want you to go find out what God is going to say, where would you have typically looked as a man of fear? So I think this is remarkable. That here is this woman, in this moment in history, I don't know how they knew. My suspicion is just like this morning, Samuel was. She was a woman who was already recognized. She was a woman whose integrity was intact. She was a woman that had already spoken things before about what God had said. And they knew where to go based on her reputation. So in verse 21, we're introduced to Hulva, this promise. Verse 23, and she answered them. When they came and inquired of her, they asked her, What is God saying? Thus said the Lord God of Israel. She did not dare give an opinion. She didn't dare give her thoughts. She didn't dare preach in a sermon. She only could give them in response to their inquiry those things that God had specifically said. That is a prophet. What if she hadn't been paying attention? What if she had been one of those like many of us who had dismissed that gift and said, surely God wouldn't give that to me. Just as Samuel did this morning. 
when he was faced with Saul, and Saul said, would you point out, would you tell me how to get to the prophet's house? Without hesitation, without embarrassment, with no arrogance, but with absolute truth, Samuel says, I am that prophet. He was not ashamed. He was not hesitant. Because he understood that what I'm fixing to do has very little to do with me because the connection between what things were like right now and the king that was about to come and lead Israel, that he was the conduit as a prophet between what was current and what was the, the future was going to bring. And he knew that as a prophet, he was going to bring into reality the future that God had already established. But he was going to be the conduit. That's the prophet. And we wonder why we're stuck. We wonder why churches don't move. We wonder why people are bored to death. I, I get questions all the time from people who live in Lubbock. I get some from people who live in Fort Worth who say, I can't find a place to go to church. And they're eagerly hunting. They're eagerly pursuing a place to go to church. And the message is resounding over and over and over again. There's just no meat. There's no expectation of God. There's no reality of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's a sermon that's well put together, but it just doesn't deliver. As Marlene said, once you have tasted meat, it's hard to live on a daily diet of just milk. Prophet is the conduit. And we stand here in this space, in this distance, between what is currently going on today and the future that God has. And the distance can only be closed when we as a prophet reach with one hand into the curtain, understand by the words of God the future, and we pull those two things together. We close the gap as a prophet. Please don't dismiss this gift. What happened to Israel after she spoke these words? They repented. They were restored. They were healed. Worship was brought back to the temple. But the love relationship that they were designed to have with God that had been forgotten for generation and generation was now put back in place because two things. Josiah was touched by the words of God and they believed the words of God as she spoke them. The ancient story here, the current word that comes by the rhema word today that brings the reality of both together, the logos word and the rhema word bringing the reality of God from our current situation into what's possible. And we don't even dream of what God wants to do, what God has a desire to do, because we've grown so satisfied and complacent about what is currently happening. I'm not satisfied. I'm not a person who's very naturally satisfied. But I'm not satisfied. I want this church, not this church, I want the church to function as God had intended. I want us to believe what God says about us personally, about us as a church, about us as a community. And Jesse came up this morning, so I just have something I need to share with you. He begins to share these visions that he did. They're amazing. Sometimes I have to listen so intently to him because he has seen so much. I saw this metal building. He said there were people in there of all different denominations. He said, and he was having a hard time describing it. He was seeing this stuff. And he says, I saw these people who had come together under this building and they began to just flow out of this building and go into the world. I like the reality of breaking down the barriers. And that I don't have to stand firmly on Baptist or Church of Christ.
barriers that we can build back. So good at it. We've been at it for years. And we're good at it. Verse 26. These are her words. And as for the king of Judah, she doesn't call Josiah by his name, but she has received this. This is the word that God has whispered this in her ear. And it's, I want you to say this about the king of Judah. And as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire the Lord, so shall you say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard. Because his heart was tender, and because he did humble himself before God, when he heard his words against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and he humbled himself before me, and did rend his clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, said the Lord. So guess what was going on all that time when Josiah heard the words of, of, of the law as they were ready to begin to tear his clothes under the conviction of what, had, what was transpiring. Guess what? God was paying attention. God saw all that. And he spoke these words to this prophet and says, Pause, what King Josiah has done, because of his heart was tender, and I just I have such a desire that we would be a people with a tender heart. That we would receive what God is saying. That he wouldn't have to keep pushing and pushing and trying a new way and trying to get this truth in us. That our heart would be tender. That there would be a vacuum as Karen has described. And if God gives us truth, there would be such a suction in us to receive that truth and believe that truth and honor that truth and live under that truth. But we're resistant to it. It's like Randy, you're, you know, you're telling us things. I hear them. But I'm a little bit uh, hesitant here. That's not, you know, I get it. I, I don't even disagree with it. But I long for the day when we speak this word of truth and there's such a suction part that the response is so natural that it doesn't take an invitation at the end. It doesn't take a ministry time at the end. You can't stop it. Because it has such a natural effect. It becomes a vacuum. As you receive this truth, it, you know, it immediately begins to have a have a move of the Holy Spirit. Just within the past two weeks, we've had some people make a comment that, that we're not uh, charismatic enough. We also have, on the other side, had the comments that we're too charismatic and, uh, and make, make people uncomfortable. I'm, I'm okay with that too. And the man who's been the church for a while, he made the comment, he came out of a charismatic background. He made the statement, and Randy, you to preach that sermon in the churches prior to gone. He said the altar would have been full. And that, that sermon would have released something in so many people. What's the difference? It's because there's an expectation and there's an openness that has already been developed in some of these churches of what these great moves of God and what people come, come forward and I watch the great ministries as they, as they unfold in front of you and you watch this and what you realize is they came there expecting not, not having to be convinced. They came there expecting that God was going to move. They had a tender heart to the truth that God was going to share. And because it was a tender heart, it was easy to penetrate. And because it was easy to penetrate, they could receive it quickly. And God was noticing. He noticed that King Josiah could receive what was being said. That he had conviction under the word of God. That he understood what was going on. And that he tore his clothes. And that he winked on his knees before God. And God saw it all. And told all of this amazing prophet. I saw that. And because of that, 
Because of this response, here's what's going to happen. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. So your eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring on this place and on the inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. What happened? Because of his response, what happened? The Lord was the mercy. Do you think that happened to be good news when they came back to King Josiah? Having received these words from his prophet, do you think that was good news to him? Oh my goodness, because he said, he said the wrath, he already said the wrath of God is on him. The wrath of God is coming. He felt the weight of it. His response, her truth. What an amazing reality. I think one of the most amazing things in my father's end of this. Two men. One was the high priest, and one was the chief scribe. And that they would understand. This was not easy. God had sent him to a man, it would have been easy. For God to send him to a woman was almost, I imagine, more than they could quite comprehend. It took something significant in them as well to be obedient. To understand that someone in Israel knew more about God than they did. That someone heard from God what they could not hear. And they went. And they asked. And they received. And they told. And what she said as was Samuel came to pass. That's a remarkable woman. Some of you here, guaranteed, have this amazing reality of prophecy. All I could ask you tonight was don't resist it. Let the reality of that bondage in your heart. And when God gives you that clarity to speak, speak in obedience. And watch people just like this be set free. It's just amazing how clearly the Lord is speaking in these days. And you just hear him continually saying he wants the people to be a blessing. The message is that and from the last month, all of them have touched, uh, carrying the anointing of the Holy Spirit, working in the world of prophecy, and the very land on which they live, who were the town of the young, possibly the other quarter of the month. That's the current report. And other cities have last but are about 18 months out from the depletion of their waterstones. Loving itself at the worst is, is about 10 years. And Carrie and I were talking about this in the way out and as we were driving, out of the corner of my eye, driving down 42, I saw a person, no face, no, just a person, walking down the aisle, walking down the road, blessing confidence. They were growing, not because of the water that they were receiving from the ground of the irrigation, they were growing because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that that person was carrying with them. It says in Romans that even the earth and the rocks cry out for the sons of God to come into the fullness. Part of the fullness of us as the people of God is to carry His blessing and His anointing, to speak prophecy even over the very plant that they will grow because He is life and the very anointing that we carry with us. Because Dad talks about the nation. He doesn't believe the report. I believe the same over this land and what God is doing in this place will not only restore hearts. It's one of my favorite visions that Jesse has shared with me is people coming in the back door and filling up this place, even the foyer filled up with people that are gray. And the life that is received here, the life that is given from people who 
are faithful here in the Learners' Release, these people go from grab, gray, to beaming white as they carry it back on the places in the kingdom. He's calling us to be a people of restoration, not just for the people in this community, but to turn the tide of a land that is being depleted. And it's just, I get overwhelmed thinking of the blessing that he wants us to be, the blessing that he's called us to be. And what he places in my heart is the fullness of repentance, the fullness of everything that we are doing, even the land that we walk in, with the eyes of love that God has for us, and the understanding of the power of the place in which we dwell, and that we can speak it in faith in the name of Jesus, and that it is really happening. That's pretty good. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before you, thanking you, Lord, for the reality of your truth, the power of it, the authority that's released by it. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that it brings. Just speak goodness and grace over this church and pray for Mr. Jay said of a vision that, that Jesse has received, that, that we would leave out here bright light and take that brilliance into the world that is dark and gray and gray. They need it. They're asking for it. And you've given it life and life. I pray, Lord, we would just carry it easily forward. Just releasing out of us. Just releasing through us. Thank you, Lord, for what you